Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Phenomenal Woman Wednesdays. I am your host, Dr. Saran Nataki. Thank you for joining. Welcome to Power 365 Phenomenal Woman Wednesdays. This podcast will address issues ranging from what is a phenomenal woman? Are you enough? Community service, paying it forward, the manifestation of dreams with words and action, the power in being a woman, the men who support phenomenal women, fashion, and much more. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Phenomenal Woman Wednesdays. Thank you for tuning in if this is your very first time. Today's episode is going to cover lessons learned from my father. If you had an opportunity to turn into episode one, then you've already got a little bit of a, a, a brief history on uh, my position on the value that my father added to our family with his commitment to it. And today, I specifically want to focus on how those lessons that he taught me and, his, and the ultimate lesson that he taught me before he passed away, he passed away 12 years ago, uh, and how that has shaped me as a woman and, and really guided the decisions that I've made in my life thus far. Um, so first, uh, first, what I would like to say about him, uh, he, um, again, was uh, very, very committed to uh, my family, uh, my mother and uh, his children as well. Uh, he just always practiced putting family first. Uh, I remember um, if there was anything that either of us needed, he would always deny himself <laughs> uh, to the point where we would uh, really be encouraging him to, you know, daddy, go shopping, go, you know, go get something for yourself because he was always putting us first, always deferring to, to us. Um, and he just had a, a really deep love for his children um, and a really deep desire to see us succeed. Um, he certainly believed in um, positive affirmations on the daily. He, he would tell me uh, how beautiful I was, how smart I was, how capable I was. And he would say to me, you can do anything. And those words, I mean, every single day, I don't think he ever missed a day. And uh, those were very, very powerful, powerful affirmations in my life and really built um, a self-confidence, even uh, in light of everything that was happening with our family dynamics and uh, my mother's illness and whatnot uh, with her schizophrenia. Uh, he, he really believed in imparting that uh, to us. And so, and, and obviously with his uh, display of love through his commitment, to the family. Uh, one of the um, greatest challenges, I think, um, if I were to speak on his behalf, um, that he had in his life, and I, and and which was really a lesson that I I took from him, um, that has really had such a profound impact on how I view life and the choices that I make, uh, is when he was diagnosed with lung cancer. So. My father smoked for decades um, and not like a light smoker. <laughs> he, he really went in, like he was really committed to that. <laughs> so um, he was a very heavy smoker for uh, many, many, many years. And so um, at, at some point it did finally catch up to him. And um, through the process of his diagnosis, 
Um, and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through that because it really is important in terms of his, um, his resolve um, as a man and uh, his uh, growth spiritually. So uh, first of all, when uh, we were growing up, you know, my father was a very, always a very spiritual man. He always acknowledged God and his role in his life and our lives. But I have to admit, he was not very religious. In fact, um, I could probably say he was a bit angry um, at, at, at religion uh, in terms of um, just being really frustrated with uh, the circumstances of our family. Like I said, it was very committed to our family, but not, but he was human. You know, he was very frustrated that, um, my mother was having to struggle with her illness and, um, that it, the difficulties that came along with, uh, trying to manage and balance our lives. And so with that, uh, once he was diagnosed with the lung cancer, it really changed how he interacted with, uh, people. He was a lot more open to uh, various other cultures. My father is African-American, grew up in the South um, during a time when um, race relations were not pleasant. Uh, he grew up in the time where uh, many of his peers would be found, you know, hanging uh, in, in trees. And so that was not, uh, it didn't really set forth a positive um image for him in terms of how he related to other people and his openness. But, but through his life, he certainly grew in that area. And, um, and definitely by the time he was diagnosed with lung cancer, uh, was very, very open. And so anyhow, uh, through that diagnosis, um, from, from the, at the onset, uh, he had to have radical surgery. He had uh, a full lung removed. Um, and he also had ribs removed, uh, he had his chest wall scraped and he was, uh, stage four, uh, stage four lung cancer. So he had already had he had positive lymph nodes. He had metastases, the whole nine. So he went through uh, his series of treatments. And one thing that he said to me, um, after he was, he was done with all of his treatments, um, he told me that he was going to be cured. Uh, now, you know, my father was very, like I said, he, he believed in the power of words and, um, and I, and I would like to have said that I believed that too, but I realized now that I really didn't have, um, the, the faith that he had and he demonstrated. In fact, um, if I just backtrack just a little bit, when he was, uh, diagnosed, uh, and, and was going through his treatment, he was responding to the uh, radiation and chemotherapy combination in a way that was, in a way that was atypical. Uh, he was his tumor was shrinking massively, and so um, in fact he he started treatment at one facility and uh, was finishing up treatment at another, and um, that team of physicians asked me to go and pick up the pathology report. They said, can you please go pick up the pathology report? We think that there's something not quite right here. And I said, sure. So I went to pick up the pathology report, brought it back and confirmed that the pathology was just as uh, it had been stated previously. And he was just, <laughs> he was just experiencing something that was uh, very unique to his situation. So anyhow, 
fast forward, uh, you know, my father told me that he was going to be cured, that God told him he was going to be cured, that he was going to be healed. And, um, you know, and I wanted to believe that for him. You know, I received that. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. You know, it's go- you're going to be cured. You're going to be healed. I, I, I definitely was, uh, an advocate for, uh, his mission in surviving. Um, he was actually given only three months of, of, of a, he was told that his prognosis was three months survival. Um, and here we were, um, going through year one, and then year two, and then year three, and then year four, and then finally at year five when we went to the follow-up. Now, mind you, during the course of these years where we were going to follow-up, there was still some residual of the mass present. Year five came, and we went in to, uh, to see the oncologist, and this was a new oncologist, and I have to admit, I really didn't I, I didn't click with her well. The previous oncologist left the practice and we had this new person and she just always seemed a bit scattered. You know, um, she was always asking me about, you know, confirming details of his case. And I'm like, gosh, you know, you've, you've been with them this long. How come you don't know? But anyhow, so we're there. And, uh, and she says, well, uh, congratulations. You're at year five. We're looking at your scans. Everything is clean. Um, you know, you're, you're officially, you know, in remission. You're, you're, you're cancer free. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at her and I have to, I didn't believe her. And, um, I actually worked for this organization where he was getting for this hospital where he was getting his treatment. So I left the appointment. I said, Hey, I'll be right back. And I went down to the radiology department. I went down myself uh, just to review the images with the tech. And I said, can you show me? Can you tell me what you see? And he said, oh, yeah, this side is clear. This is, yeah, it's all clear. And, uh, and I went into his chart and I looked at the path. I looked at everything. And I just, it really didn't resonate with me at the time. And uh, anyhow, we get in the car and I'm driving him home and he is just rejoicing. He's like, praise God, I told you, I told you, I told you I was going to be cured. And I took him home. I returned to my own home. I went to sleep. And the next morning I just wept. I still get emotional when I think about it because it was such a profound moment, not in his life for him, but more so for me because it was the manifestation of faith in a way that I never, ever, I'd heard about things like that, but I'd never seen it for myself up close and personal. And here it was, he told me, He was going to be cured. He believed that he was going to, from stage four lung cancer. And here he was walking around cancer free, living his life, laughing. He had a very distinct laugh. And he was just so excited to share that news. And and the, the most important part was not like, I'm excited that I'm, you know, I'm gonna be here. Of course he wasn't happy about that. But his excitement was, I'm excited to share with you what God can do. And that is amazing. That, that was just a really profound moment. And so anyhow, um, moving forward, uh, my father had had, um, a, at, at some point, you know, prior to his being cured, 
his metastasis had occurred in his brain. So he had a brain tumor that was removed. And whenever you have a, um, a surgery of that sort, there's a shunt that's placed to keep from keep pressure from building. And unfortunately, um, a year or so after uh, his um, becoming cancer free, that shunt became displaced and uh, his he had irreversible brain damage as a, as a result of it uh, going undetected, and he did pass away. And at the time, I you know was really frustrated with that. I didn't know where to place that. Uh, you know, how could that happen? How could someone be cancer free? How could someone go through such adversity, overcome so much, come full circle with their faith, come full circle with their appreciation for mankind and and people that are unlike himself when he struggled so much with that? How can you do that and then have life taken away? And so I eventually came to terms with it that uh, that really wasn't for him. He, he knew, he already knew he was going to be cured. So why would he need to be taught? The, the lesson was really for me and my family, and I'm sharing it with you. Uh, that lesson is the manifestation of faith, having uh, the belief that um, your words are, understanding how the power in your words and your intention behind the words, your intention behind the words. And so that um, definitely had, uh, a, has had a long lasting impact on my life, that particular lesson. And, and this is how, um, you know, after that, and after I came to terms and we buried my father and um, I, my sister and I um, assumed the responsibility of caring for my mother and her affairs, um, you know, I had my own uh, decisions to make in my own life regarding my career and uh, and various um, decisions around how I was going to continue the relationship with my career and also managing my family. Uh, my family was still growing at that time. And um, one thing that I can say is that um, I have never been fearful of what I could do. Um, that, that much I did get early on. And I think, you know, definitely based on those positive affirmations, you know, you are smart, you can do anything, anything you want to do, you can do. Uh, so I, I've never had really a fear in terms of, you know, what I could do. I do understand and have understood that uh, whenever taking on a new challenge, it's uh, it's going to require effort. It's going to require work. Um, some things might take more effort and work than others. Some things come easier. Um, but ultimately, if I really, really want to do something, I know I can get it done. I, I know I can. It's just about. It's a matter of how how motivated am I to do it. And so, um, with that said, uh, it, I came. Um, as I was growing my family, um, I acquired, or I, I had children. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, as, as an undergrad, I had, um, a child over spring break and I came back to school, pushed him in the stroller and, and I showed up at school. And how did I do that? I did that because I did not believe that there was any reason why I couldn't. 
I absolutely said he's going to be born on his due date. He's due on this date. He's going to be born. And then I'll just put him in a show and I'll just come to school. I won't miss any school. And everyone thought that was the craziest plan ever. And do you know what? He was born on his due date. <laughs> I put him in the stroller and I came to school and that's how it worked. I, I never thought that it was not possible. I never entertained that it wasn't possible. And so I kind of approached a lot of things like that. And, and really that came from my night my being naive in understanding life's challenges as I've grown older, of course, I think all of us get a little jaded by life and uh, we understand that things can happen. And, uh, but when you're young and you really don't, and you've been taught that, you know, life is, is there for, it's a playground for you and you are able to, uh, basically tackle it based upon your own intentions. And as long as it is going to be a benefit, it's going to be a blessed outcome. And so that's what I, that's what I believe. So I just, I, I planned accordingly and I, and I moved forward with that. And that's not just with undergrad and with another uh, graduate degree, I had a child and then another graduate degree, I had a child. And then finally, um, I came to a place where I really, um, decided I wanted to make a shift in terms of, you know, my relationship with work and how I was managing my family. And just really, I just wasn't as fortified with what I was doing um, with my career as I had been before. Uh, it didn't excite me in the same way. And I felt like I was making a difference. I worked in healthcare and I felt like I was making a difference. I felt like I was, um, you know, benefiting, uh, you know, mankind and, and certain populations that um, needed focus and, and programs built to um, help uh, with their health outcomes. But I didn't feel excited about it. It was just work. And I wanted to make a shift. And um, at some point, I um, things became uncomfortable on my job. And um, I started paying attention. I started to pay attention to how I felt when I went into work, how I felt in the company of certain individuals at work, um, how it was affecting my relationships with uh, people that I had grown to love and, and uh, admire at work, how it was affecting those relationships. And I, and I knew that I had to make a change. I already knew um, what I wanted to do, but I had reservation about doing it. Um, partly because I was earning a generous income and, um, I just, you know, we, we get caught up in the trappings of that. And so, um, anyhow, at some point the day came where, uh, I made the decision that I needed to walk away and really pursue what was really going to fortify me and the concerns I had about income, etc. I kid you not, I, I made that up and more. Um, once I made the shift and really redirected my focus and um, I was able to navigate uh, the relationship with work and, and balance with my family um, on my terms. And um, I understand that takes some time um, for everyone to kind of get there. But anyhow, just to close the loop on, um, you know, what my father taught me and how it applies here, it applies in these ways. So uh, for one, we really are all connected. Uh, why 
was I born to my family? Why did I have my mother? Uh, why did I have my father? Why was my mother? Why is my mother schizophrenic? Uh, why is uh, why was my father who he was, and um, and how did that play a role in my development, in my ability to learn the lessons that I need to learn in this life? There are tools. There are tools that are picked up along the way, and so uh, you know, what if? My father's personal challenges being his own still benefit me in my development to allow me to grow from my own personal challenges. What if that's not, you know, a coincidence? What if that's not by mistake, but by divine design? What, what if that's true? What if my father's life purpose really was to be a demonstration of the power of words and faith. He did many things in this life that are admirable, but what if that was the ultimate one? What if that was it? Maybe that's why he was able to be healed and he still passed away. You know, what What, what if that is the reason? So that, that, that that's one part. The other way, that it applies is that um, we really have to uh, accept that we have to learn to pay attention. We have to learn to pay attention. So uh, there are messages that we get along the way. We, we get so many messages along the way and, and things that occur and we just kind of ignore and we just kind of keep pushing through. And so one thing that I remember and just in relationship to this uh, example that I've provided with this particular job is that uh, we, we had new leadership come on board, and this particular person um, really just wasn't, um, he, at least for me, um, he, he didn't provide a pleasant work experience. And so um, what I do know about myself is that I'm very loyal. I am loyal to a fault. Uh, you know, people, uh, one, a really good friend of mine said, wow, people have 15 lives with you. And, uh, and, and I have to say that that is true, but that's by divine design. God made me that way through the experiences that I've had and, and through my personality that I was given to navigate this life, to be able to learn what I need to learn in this life and fulfill my purpose. I need to be that way. That's who I am. And so because I'm that way, I would never have left the job. I'd have stayed there and I'd have been loyal and committed and, and done everything that I was asked to do and more. I would have done that. So the only way to get me to leave was to have it become uncomfortable. It had to be uncomfortable for me to make a move, for me to make a shift. So the only way to get me to leave would be to make it uncomfortable and create circumstances that would make me have to you know, really reassess. And so when I really, what resonated with me finally was that, you know, this is not how it's supposed to be. And I decided to just really start to pay attention and really understand that, you know, I was being purposefully shifted in another direction. I already knew in my gut that it wasn't, you know, the right place for me at the time. Um, and, and I went ahead and I, I made that shift. And so, with that, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to uh, express here in, and share with you 
is that along this journey that we call life, um, we always get, you know, those messages. We always ask for um, the answers to um, circumstances and situations that arise, but we don't always hear the response, but it's always provided. It is always provided. Things that you ask for, things that you have spoken. Have you ever thought about this? I'm sure you can think of an example in your own life where you thought about or you asked for um, something to manifest in your life. You may have asked for it years before. And you go on with your life and you kind of leave it. um, And then years later, here it comes. And you're not ready for it, though. You're like, no, I already have. Now I've done this. Now I'm already in this position. Well, what happens is that once you have um, set the intention and put it out there (laughs) that you want it, um, God puts the universe in motion to actually provide it for you. So it's like a chess game. So the pieces have to move in the right position to really manifest what you've asked for. And along the way, those pieces that are moving, they need to move in those positions as well for their own journeys. So it's really quite an amazing um, experience that we're having if you really think about it. But anyhow, I'm I'm kind of going off (laughs) into uh, another tangent, another show. But um, ultimately, what I want to express is that um, here in this life, we have um, messages that we receive all the time. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone's journey is important, even if you don't understand the next person's journey, even if you feel that they lack, we lack, we all lack. We are all learning as we, we as we go through this life and in our teachings, we're teaching others. You never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching you and what they're getting from your experience. So um, keep that in your back pocket. <laughs> And um, uh, I really hope that you have uh, found something uh, in this podcast, in this episode that speaks to you, that fortifies you along your journey and really motivates you um, to pay attention, um, step out on faith, uh, and, and don't be afraid to, to actually ask for the things that you desire in your life. Ask for them and expect that they'll come expect that they'll come. With that, have a wonderful Wednesday. Have a phenomenal Wednesday to all the phenomenal men and women out there. Thank you for tuning in. I really, really appreciate you. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Power 365 Phenomenal Woman Wednesdays. I believe that every woman gives the universe with her own strengths and unique characteristics. Simply because she is born, the universe benefits. Every woman is growing, learning, and evolving. On this channel, only positive seeds are sown, no matter how flawed the soil. Take care and have a phenomenal Wednesday.